These are the Lord's directions to Moses concerning the incense. I'm in verse 34. Use sweet spices stacked. And that word is actually pronounced onyx, kind of like the, um, it looks like oincha, right? But it's onyx, kind of like the, the jewel onyx. Uh, uh, galbanum and pure frankincense. Okay, so uh, we, uh, my friend Frank is here today. And so I'll just tell you that this is actually two words. We call it frankincense, but it's actually two words, frank incense. All right. So that's where the word comes from. The word Frank is white. Use the white incense because it creates this white smoke. All right. So that's what frankincense means. White incense. All right. So uh, he says, take these four. He said, using verse 35, using the usual techniques of incense makers and seasoning it with salt. It shall be a pure and holy incense. Beat some into very fine, uh, beat some of it very fine and put some of it in front of the ark and I will meet you there in the tabernacle. This incense is most holy. Never make it for yourself for it is reserved for the Lord and you must treat it as holy. Anyone making it for themselves shall be excommunicated. Okay, so those are the instructions that he was given. Now he's given these, notice he says beat some of it into fine powder. The reason he says it that way is because some of it is almost liquid. It's not liquid, it's resin. So some of these ingredients is going to allow it to burn a long time. So it's like a rosin, like a resin from a tree. And so uh, there, there isn't a lot of information on these ancient spices, even like in Jewish encyclopedia, it's hard to find a lot of information on it. So all I can do is give you the, the Hebrew words and tell you how they were translated. And we, we can do our very best to try to discover what these spices, why God chose these particular spices. So the first one is the word stacked is translated. It's in the top in Hebrew. And it literally falls in drops. So this one is one that you cannot beat. This one is gummy. Now the reason it's important is because when you put these spices over top of this gummy one, it's going to burn for a long time. So it's going to bubble and burn and stay there. So the very first one is, is the word, is, is, the, is a gummy type spice called natop. Now here's what's interesting is that this word is translated in Hebrew into other words that we would use in English. And one of the most common words that it's translated into is prophesy or preach. Isn't that interesting? So use this, this one is going to preach. All right. So you're going to sprinkle the rest on it, but this one is gummy. It's going to stay there. You're going to hear it pop. It's going to make a noise and it's going to last longer because this is a testimony, right? And so this one is going to preach to you or prophesy something to you. And then the next one is the one that we would call onyx in, in the English translation, uh, Sahelet in Hebrew, and it's what's interesting about this one is it's part of a part of the shell of a muscle. Okay, now what this word literally means is from the root word sahal, which means to roar. Now, if you look this up in Hebrew or in English, it's going to tell you that this word means that you have peeled something off with sound. That you have made it, that the sound like scared it. 
and the sound peeled it off. So it's like something you get from the sea, and it's part of a shell of mussels, and, um, and it actually means to roar. So the other times that this word is used, this Hebrew word is used, it's when a lion roars. So we have prophecy and preach, and now we have the roar of a lion. All of this is telling the story of why this incense is so important. And then you have a galbanon. Now, galbanon basically is translated in the word uh, translated as the word fat. Okay, so it is indicating. So galbanon basically in um, halbinia is the word in Hebrew, and it is also a gum that gives out this odor. It's an odorous, gummy substance. I'm not even sure where you get it, but it is translated as the word as the word fat. Now, what's interesting is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way, is the fat belongs to the Lord, right? So, so every time after Christmas, I'm claiming that one every time. Yes, I'm just more holy than I was before the holidays. But uh, so, but, but the fat was separated from the other animals and cooked for the Lord. That was the part that made this smell. That was the part that gave this incense. Even, even out in the brazen altar, they had to separate the fat from the animal and cook that separately just for the Lord. So it was a separation of that. So this particular part, this galbanum, represented the part of this incense that was just for God. And then the final word is the word we would call frankincense. It was, it was, it gets its name because it created this white smoke. So it's this, this frank incense. It does have a, a wonderful smell to it, by the way, but it, it comes from the word frank, uh, or it comes from the word white, rather, is where it gets its name, Labonia. And so, um, so he says, put all these together. So you can see two gummy substances, two substances that can be ground up as powder, and you put it over them, and then you have to light it with a coal. But before you do it, you have to season it. And no one's going to eat it. So why in the world is he doing this? You, I've, just, I've just brought these four representing the world, but he said four is not enough. One more, five, it's got to represent grace. So when you get through, just get out your salt shaker and sprinkle a little salt on it because it's a throne of grace. Now, what is the purpose of that? I've got a preacher in here. I've got a, a roaring lion in here. I've got this white substance that's representing the purity of God in here. I've got, I've, got, I've got another one that's representing the fat that just belongs to the Lord in here. I've got all of these ingredients that are telling me this is a holy spice. But then he wants me to do something odd. He wants me to put salt on it. No one's going to, why in the world would I put salt on it? Now listen to this. Leviticus 2, 13. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of covenant. Ah, the salt of covenant of your God be lacking from your grain offerings. With all of your offerings you shall offer salt. Why in the world is God asking them to put salt on the, on the altar and put salt in all the grain offerings that they're bringing before the Lord? Well, we don't understand it in the Old Testament, but when you read over in the New Testament, it starts making sense. 
He starts in. Remember I told you, you were, you were in that menorah. You were also on this altar. He says later on, you are the salt of the earth, Matthew 5 and 13. But it, it's not just there. There's the, the process I want you to see. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So then he tells you how it's seasoned. Mark 9, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. So there's two things on this altar that we got to talk about. We got to talk about the salt and we got to talk about the fire. So in order for this to burn, you have to have a coal. So the first thing you do is you go over here. There is no fireplace on this one. You go over here where your sins were forgiven. You go over here where the blood was shed and you take a coal from this altar and you put it on this altar and then you put the incense on top of that coal to make it burn and then you put the salt on there. Now this is what he's telling you. He's telling you that you are the salt of the earth. You are going through fires to make you salty. So how do I know that I'm the salt of the earth? How do I know what salt looks like? Here is how you know. Here is the test of how salty you are. Colossians 4 and 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Wow. I am only as salty as my mouth says I am. I'm only as salty as the grace I'm giving away. Now, it's one thing for God to give me grace. It's another thing for me to give you grace. It's one thing for God to give me grace for my sins. It's another thing for me to have grace in traffic. It's another thing for me to have grace in tax season. It's another thing for me to have grace when my electronics break down. It's another thing for me to have grace when somebody gets on your nerves. But the Lord says, how are you ever going to win the world unless you're salty? You are the salt of the earth. However, you're not going to win the world unless you're salty. How am I going to get salty? I'm going to put you through the fire. Because when you receive grace, it's easy for you to give it away. You know, the people, uh, I promise you, all, every judgmental person in the world just needs to go through a little something. They'll stop that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they just get self-centered and everybody gets in their way and they're always judging everybody else. I want to tell you something. When you've been forgiven, it's easy to forgive other people. Easier, let me say. It's not always easy. It's easier to forgive other people. When Mary broke the alabaster box, the disciples chided her told them to leave the room. And you know what Jesus turned around and said? He said, they're going to forget you were in this room. Your names are not even going to be in the story. But they're never going to forget this woman is in this room. What she just did, this story is going to be told forever. And they said, why her? Why not us? Here's how he answered it. Because whom has been forgiven much has the ability to love much. Wow. The more I've been forgiven... When I have messed up my life and God forgives me, my heart gets so much bigger that I have more love to give away. 
Oh, the next time you want to judge somebody, just stop and remember what you've been forgiven about. Just stop and forgive how many, anybody in this room need grace but me? I mean, anybody online, do you need grace? You know what? If I need grace, I need to give grace. I need to give the grace away. So here I am over here and the hot coal asking forgiveness for my sins. And here he says, listen, if you want to go in, I'm going to give you grace, but you're going to approach the throne of mercy. Grace means you do get what you don't deserve. Mercy means you don't get what you do deserve. But what does Jesus teach in the Beatitudes about mercy? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Ah, if he's going to give it to me, he expects me to give it away. If he's going to give me grace, he expects me to give it. That's how I become the light of the world. People that are self-centered, people that are self-focused, they, they have no idea what they're missing in life. Because if they could just get their eyes off of themselves for five minutes and start giving it away, they would realize their heart would be so full. And you know, people that are like that are usually people that just have some unforgiveness that's still there. You, you got to start here, turn on the lamp to get here. Forgive me, Lord. Let your word get inside of me. Now, God, I come before your presence in prayer, in brokenness, in travail, and in worship. So here is the other part of this. Boy, I'm going to get so tied up in the Holy of Holies here, I can't <laughs> find my way out. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. Are you getting this? Ooh, this is good stuff, isn't it? How many of you knew that David only needed one stone to kill Goliath? But how many did he pick up? Five. Yeah. That's right. How many, how many giants did he and his men end up killing? Five. That's right. So, sometimes it's not about me. Sometimes God wants me to go through the fire because it's about me helping somebody else. It's not just about me getting my breakthrough. Remember when Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in the Philippian jail and the Lord set them free? What does the Bible say in that passage? All the prisoners were listening. And then when the jailhouse rocked, somebody ought to write a song about that. When the jailhouse rocked and the chains fell off, all the prisoners were set free, not just them. All the prisoners got set free. What if your deliverance is not about you being delivered? What if you're there to get grace? What if you're there to pick up five stones? What if you're there because the prisoners need to be set free and you're going to become the person that does it? What if it's your song that sets them free? What if it's your freedom that gives them their freedom? It's your prayer that sets them free. How is God going to make a prophet if nobody goes through anything? If you were God, how would you make a pastor? How would you make a teacher? 
How would you make an evangelist? If you were God, you know, those aren't just titles. People have to lay a lot down to pick up those mantles. So the Lord says, I'm going to let you go through a little fire because in the end you're going to talk different. You're going to have grace in your lips. Wow. Okay. The altar of incense is the throne of grace to obtain mercy, but this is the last station of grace. I started here, went to the laver, I went to the menorah, I lit it, I went to the bread, smelled the bread. By the way, I forgot to mention this earlier. You know what's laying on top of the bread? Frankincense. That's where that comes from. They get the frankincense from the bread. It all ties together. So they're taking the frankincense on the top of the bread, and that's part of their worship. There's a lot of people trying to worship without getting in the Word. It just don't work that well. All you're doing is singing. There's a big difference in singing and worshiping. Big difference. And anybody can raise their hands. You can go to any concert in the world. They're doing the same thing we're doing. That's no, tr- that's no joke. Go to a country music concert or a rock and roll concert. All you have to do is watch The Voice on TV. And you'll see John Legend and those guys doing like this while somebody's singing. It looks like worship. But it's only worship when you light the menorah and you take the, in, you take the frankincense off the bread. That's only when it's worship. Do you want to be a better worshiper? Become a better Bible reader. You get the Word of God in you. You get the oil of the Spirit in you. Oh, then you won't even worry about who's singing and how good it was and if they hit the note right or not. All you know is, I saw God high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. That's all you're going to know. Well, I've got to finish this up, so let's keep going. All right. They have to create this holy smoke because this is the only way to get in. The only way I can get in is I take, I take a coal here... I put it inside of it. Then I come over here to the bread. I put the frankincense in. And then I take the other ingredients and I put it in. I sprinkle it with salt. And this is how I go in. I can't go in any other way. I go in this way. And guess what? There's no door. I have to get down to go in. I have to humble myself. You know what worship means? In Hebrew, it's the word, it's the word sahah, or sabah. And you know what it means? It means to put your head below your heart. That's why you see shuckling at the, at the uh, wailing wall. You know how Jewish people worship? They worship like this. That's how they worship. They're putting their head below their heart. You know why most people can't worship? Because their head is in the way. They're trying to think it. Think about it. Wonder what somebody's going to say. Trying to process it too much here. You need to put your head below your heart and let your heart lead you into the presence of God. The only way to get under this veil is to get on my knees. If I'm not on my knees, I can't even get under it. So I take my salvation, the Word of God inside of me, and I worship my way in on my knees into His presence. And that is how I get there. I want to close with a couple of other passages and then we'll wrap this up. Revelation 5 and 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Okay, so in heaven, there's two things that become incense 
prayer and worship. And I'm going to show you both of them. And that particular scripture, he talks about angels carrying the golden bowl. Someone had mentioned that earlier, asked the question earlier. So you have the angels carrying the golden bowls, which are the prayers of the saints. But that's not the only time that is mentioned. Revelation 8 and 2, I saw seven angels who stand before God that were given seven trumpets. And another angel having the golden censer, here it is, came and stood before the altar, which was given incense, and he should offer it with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Do you see, the, you see where we're at in heaven? We're in the temple. Now there's no veil there. This is the throne, but guess who's on the throne? Can I do one more hit and run? I promise I won't keep doing this all day even though I want to. It's one more hit and run. So when you go to Revelation, so in the, in the Old Testament you see the throne of God, which is in the courtroom. What we're looking at now is the throne of Messiah, which is in the throne, which is in the temple. He's now sitting on the mercy seat. All right? He's at the right hand of the Father. Over here is is uh, is Jehovah uh, over here is Yahweh who is the who who is governing the earth? He is in the courtroom of God. Daniel saw the courtroom and he said, "The ancient I think it's Daniel seven and the ancient of days was seated, and the thrones were put into place." And he tells the whole story. Now, when you see the the courtroom. Later on in the book of Revelation, it tells you what color the throne is. Now, in your translation of your Bible, it calls it the great white throne. The only reason they called it white is because they didn't know how to describe it, because the word there is not white, the word there is light. The great light throne. That's why every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? So, how do we, how, this translators were in a quandary. How do we describe a light throne? Well, light's white. Let's just call it a white throne. But it was never intended to be a white throne. It was a light throne. But if you keep reading, it'll tell you what color it is. It looks like a sardis stone, okay, which is red. So there's this red light coming from the stone. But you're right, so I'm going to get there too. You got this red light that's coming from that throne of the court. Red like the blood of Jesus. But then you go over to the temple and you see the mercy seat, and that throne is a different color. That throne is green. We call that the emerald throne. And the emerald throne is the seat of the Messiah in the temple. So when he says the golden altar is before the throne, it's before the emerald throne. But then go down to the earth. In Ezekiel 1, the, the seraph show up, the seraphim show up with another throne. Who's the agent of God on the earth? Somebody tell me. The Holy Spirit, right? That's the age of God on the earth. So the throne seen in Ezekiel 1 on the earth is blue, sapphire. So you've got these three colored thrones. Okay, so I told you this is a hit and run. So all of these lights here are made up of what we call, they're LED lights. And LED lights operate on a principle called RGBs. RGBs stands for red, green, and blue, which makes up every color of the color spectrum. So every time you see an LED light, 
you're seeing a combination of RGBs, reds, greens, and blues. So if you look at the smallest component of matter, now when I was in school they would tell me that it was, that it was a proton and a neutron because that's all they had discovered. But nowadays they can look 1,000 layers deep into a proton and neutron, and at the very bottom they say now the smallest subatomic layer of matter is a quark. Look it up. Not only look it up, look at the picture. Because you know what a quark is? The smallest component of all things that exist? It is a red, green, and blue light wrapped in a sound wave. That's what holds it together. You know how it got there? Let there be light. The red throne, the green throne, the blue throne went out and made everything that exists. And one command, one sound wave, one command, everything in the world that exists, exists because ultimately at the bottom of everything is the glory of the Father, the glory of the Son, and the glory of the Holy Spirit. The red, green, and blue thong. I told you it was a hit and run, but I hope it was worth it. All right. All right, let me finish up here. I'm trying to come in for a landing, but I'm having a hard time. Revelation 8, and the smoke of the incense with, verse 4, the prayers of the saints ascending before God in the angel's hand. So notice it's two things. It's the altar of incense, worship, and the prayers of the saints with it. This represents prayer and worship. And, uh, and even, even King David said, uh, let my prayer be set before you as an incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So he differentiates that. He said, my prayer is an incense, but also the lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice, morning and evening right here. So he says, worship and prayer represents the, the final altar. But I want to tell you that if you are serving God today, it's because somebody prayed. Because everything that enters into the mercy seat comes on the wings of prayer. It is prayer that takes you in. If you're born again, somebody prayed. If you're healed, somebody prayed. If you're spared, somebody prayed. If you've ever been free from bitterness, it's because somebody prayed. If you've ever been secure, it's because somebody prayed. Anybody whole? That means somebody prayed. If you've ever survived a tragedy, somebody prayed. If you've ever conquered an enemy, somebody prayed. If you've ever been delivered, somebody prayed. If you've ever been saved from yourself, it's because somebody prayed. Everything has been altered by the altar. And if you want to change your life, you can alter it by the altar. Right here changes everything. You got saved, filled with the Word, walking in the Spirit, and now I'm worshiping and praying my way into the Kingdom of God. A throne of grace to obtain mercy. And this concludes the altar of incense. Praise the Lord. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.